Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Mark 4 is a parable about how the kingdom operates in your world. And a lot of people get born again and they think that's it. They think, all right, I've given my heart to Jesus, I'm going to heaven. But they truly don't have any real understanding of what God wants to do in their world and how he's going to do it. And uh, I've got a, maybe a shock for some of you today, but Jesus isn't coming back today. No man knows the hour or the time. Why do I say that? Because could I be wrong? Oh, of course I could be wrong. I've been wrong about many things. But I know this, that Jesus is coming back for a bride, for a church that is equal in stature to him. Paul says, I pray that you would come to the fullness of the stature of Christ. You would measure up to him. Jesus on earth set the measuring line, the bar for all of the church. And so he leaves us on the planet to engage in hostility and challenges. So we will learn it would draw out in us the Christ nature. And when I believe when the church is functioning, when all of, because you know, all of creation's longing for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed, when the church is functioning, the greater works Jesus promised that we would function in, not just some guy up on the stage, but when the body of Christ is functioning in such power and authority and love, when we all come to the unity of the knowledge of God, when we all come to the fullness, because the Bible says in Colossians that Jesus was filled with the Godhead in bodily form, and you are filled in him. So when the, the world can say, that man, that woman, is full of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, they are a living expression of the Godhead, then Jesus shall come. What's he waiting on? He's waiting on the church to rise up in the fullness so we can be a co-heir with him. See, all of this on earth is to train us to reign with him in eternity. I don't know what that fully means, but I do know that we will function alongside. We will judge angels. We will be, we'll be rulers in, 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 the, in the cosmos, in the eternity. And so God is wanting a church to rise up full of the power of the Holy Ghost. And that could be just this place. My desire above every desire is God build a church that is full of the love of God and the power of God where every believer is functioning at the highest level. Let revival come in this place and it turns a whole city upside down. Could this be the place where every believer begins to say, God, I will be satisfied with nothing less than the fullness of the stature of Christ in my life. I get so, dis I was going to say disappointed or disheartened or discouraged when I see that Christians are satisfied with just a ticket of salvation and then they want to get locked in this system of the world and they don't understand. You've been called much, much higher. Much higher. He's called you up. So was I saying Mark 4? And the secret to all this is found in the secret place. That's where we learn how to operate in the fullness of God. 
Mark 4.14. Jesus tells the parable and explains it about the three grounds. And I believe these three grounds represent the spirit, the soul, and the body of man. And the function of the Godhead bringing wholeness in every one of those realms. See, when we come into full alignment, I have this picture is that, that when we come into alignment and God possesses our spirit, soul, and body, that's his prayer in 1 Thessalonians, that he may sanctify us and that our whole body, spirit, and soul would be preserved faultless at the coming of the Lord. When God looks at us, he says, spirit, soul, and body, they are functioning at the highest level. It'll be like when the church comes into alignment, we will be sucked up. To meet him in the air. Jesus said in verse 13, Don't you understand this parable? If you don't get this, you won't get anything. That's in my, my phrase. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown to them. And even today, there may be people that don't know Jesus, and Jesus has never yet come into your spirit. And what the enemy wants to do is to take my words and snatch them before they get inside your spirit. But I, I, you need to know today that if you would open up your spirit to the Lord Jesus Christ, the words that I am speaking today are spirit and they are life and they will transform you from the inside out. And the first seed comes into the realm of the spirit and it begins to germinate there. But we have a choice whether we'll receive the word of the Lord into our spirit or not. He says the second ground is one that's sown in rocky ground. And they receive it immediately with joy, but there's persecution and tribulation comes because of the word. And then they reject it. And I found this that it's one thing for your spirit to receive something from God, but it's another thing for the soul to jump on board. The spirit can make promises that the soul can't keep. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak, and so is the soul. And so God comes into our spirit when we're born again. But the challenge is that there is a whole lot of stuff in our soul that the spirit says yes to that the soul rebels against. And God wants to transform you spirit, soul, and body. The third ground, it says that the, the seed comes in, but what chokes it? The thorns come in, they choke the word. Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh. This is the realm of the flesh or the body that's inundated by the, the sense realm. And, and, and there are challenges that come against the word of the Lord in us. And God wants to bring victory in every one of those realms. Are you hearing me? So how does he do it? How do we get victory? How do we learn to embrace the fullness of God? Spirit, soul, and body. How does that happen? It's called maturity. It's called coming into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And we talk about it. We talk about growing up in God, but most Christians don't know how to do it. They, get, they want to do it. They don't know how to do it. And I'm here to show you how to do it. Mark 4.21 says, so after Jesus finishes that parable, he says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or, a bed, or under a bed? And not on a stand, for nothing that is hidden, nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is there anything secret except it will come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And I believe the key to the 30, 60, 100 fold expression of the life of God in us 
according to this parable, is found in the secret place. Did you hear me? It's found in the secret place. And because it's secret, most people don't find it. Matthew 7 verse 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus puts it another, another way in Matthew 6. He says, the secret place is found three ways. We pray. Remember, he says, when you pray, don't pray out and open so everyone sees you, but go into the secret place. And the Father who sees you in the secret will reward you openly. He says, also, when you give, don't give so you're noticed. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing, but do it in secret. And the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He goes on to say, when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, you know, don't let the whole world know what you're doing. Don't go around in smelly clothes and bad breath. But he says, you know, do it secretly. And the Father who sees it in secret will reward you in an open way. I believe that those keys from Jesus unlock the reality of how to access the secret place. We ask, we pray, and the secret place of our spirit is unlocked. We seek and we give, and the secret place of our soul is unlocked. We knock and we fast, and the secret place of our body is unlocked. Jesus says, if you want to access the secret place of the spirit realm... It comes by prayer. When you pray, go into the room, shut the door, and pray to your Father. He says in Matthew 7, when we ask, when we ask, you shall receive. So we go into that secret place and we begin to communion with God. We begin to ask of Him and we begin to receive from Him spirit to spirit revelation. And He says that if you will cultivate a secret place of communion with him where you pray, where you ask of him, where you ask to receive more of his fullness in your spirit. He says, if you do that in a secret place, I will reward you in the open. How does he do that? Because in the open place, he shows us things that are hidden. 1 Corinthians 14, 24 says... That when an unbeliever comes into the, connects with the body of Christ, either comes into a meeting like this or meets an a Christian throughout the day, it says that he will be convicted by all because the believer has this ability to prophesy and the secrets of the unbeliever's heart will be revealed and he will fall down on his knees and worship God and say, God is truly in this house. And I want you to know today that as you spend time in the secret place, connecting with God spirit to spirit, he's going to show you things in the open about what is taking place in the secret realm. And I'm going to talk a bit about how you do this. But this is what Jesus did all of his life. He said, I only do the things 
I see my father do. So in the secret place, God began to show him things, the secrets that were out in the open. So Jesus would say to his disciples, to Peter, go to the, to the shore and at the shore you will see a fish and you open the fish's mouth and there'll be a gold coin in it. Why did he say that? Because in the secret place, he had seen what was taking place and he was able to come out in the open and reveal the mysteries that were happening that nobody else was seeing. And God's about to do this in the body of Christ. There is a prophetic anointing as we rest in the secret place that will come out into the open and the secrets of men's and women's hearts shall be revealed. So as we spend time in the secret place, he begins to open our eyes. What does that look like to spend time in the secret place, spirit to spirit? Well, I shared very quickly last week, and, and really to, to unblock this is going to take a number of messages. But very simply, remember, because there are people here today that weren't here last week, we begin to open our spirits up. And Isaiah 11 says that the spirit of God comes in seven different ways. Isaiah 11, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge of God, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And, and there, so there are seven aspects to God that, that I begin to invite in individually. So I lay on my bed and I say, spirit of understanding, come now and invade my spirit. And the spirit of understanding is simply this that God has promised us, like he did to Daniel, that he would give us an anointing to have dreams and visions and understandings. In fact, Daniel had such an ability that he could call out the dream of a man. Not just interpret the dream, but tell the man the dream that he had. Such was his insight into the realm of the Spirit. God showed him nations that would rise and fall from generations uh, forward. He would show him things to come. He did the same with William Branham. He showed him uh, men and win women, kingdoms that would rise and fall. This all comes as we welcome Holy Spirit into our life as the spirit of understanding. You need that today. Yeah. So if you're going to rise up to the fullness of the knowledge of God to the full stature of Christ. We need the Holy Spirit every day to invade our spirit. It's like as we do that, our spirit gets bigger and bigger. Have you got all of God? Absolutely. The moment you get born again, you've got all of God. But the Bible says that we are still to pursue spiritual gifts, to earnestly desire, sorry, spiritual gifts. And as we do that, we make room for God to begin to to manifest himself in our spirit. He comes with wisdom. He comes with counsel. See, some of you don't know what decisions to make for your life. That word counsel is, is advice. He comes along and he'll give you a plan for your life. Rather than stumbling trying to work out what to do, uh, remember I said one hour of meditation, of waiting on the Lord is equal to 100 hours of toil. I don't know about you, but I don't have time to do that. I've made enough mistakes in my life. I need to wait on the Lord. And as I do that, he said, the spirit of counsel will come. He will help you make right business decisions, right relationship decisions. He will warn you about people. He will show you who to trust, who not to trust. He is the spirit of counsel who comes alongside you as your personal coach. And all we need to do is in the secret place, 
welcome Holy Spirit to come as the Spirit of counsel. See, if you begin to embrace this, it will change your prayer life. I see him coming alongside in a boardroom and sitting at a table. I, I imagine that and I allow him to speak advice to me. I let him come with waves of information and revelation. And he wants to do that with you in the secret place. He wants to take your prayer life that may be anemic, boring, powerless, and he wants to make it the most powerful part of your day. In fact, I know for myself, my prayer time with the Lord is becoming the most powerful, wonderful time that I just want to slip away. And it's difficult. That's why Paul said, and I'm not advocating this, but he said it's actually better not to be married than to be married. And he said it because those that are married get caught up in the fears of the world, but those that aren't married can focus on Christ. But he also said it's better to marry than to burn. And we get this drawing to be alone with God and we're balancing things because there's this desire to engage with the Lord and have him speak spirit to spirit. What an amazing thing. Are you hearing me today? And there's this invitation to come into the secret place and commune with him. And he says that that candle is not meant to be hidden, but it's be put on a lampstand. So that spirit that's within us begins to burn brighter and brighter. We begin to be people that are led by the spirit. That candle's burning so bright that it's actually clearing the way and showing us things to come. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call unto me and I will answer you. And I'm going to show you great and mysterious things that you have not known. Do you hear me? Call unto me. That's all he's waiting for. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to know your Bible inside out. You don't have to have your whole life together. You've just got to get before the Lord and say, God, I need you to commune with me. I need you to speak into my spirit. I need you to show me what to do. I need you to show me things to come. I am here, Lord. Uh, this is my secret place, and it's you and I, and I ask. And he says, everyone who asks, they will receive. And I'm here to tell you, I don't care what your life's looked like in the past. If you will get before the Lord and ask him, he says, you will receive. You can go to bank on that. You get in that secret place and you say, God, I am going to stay here until I get what I need. You will get what you need. For everyone who asks shall receive. And my prayer is that we have a church where we all know how to find that secret place. It's not, it's not weird, mysterious. It's just where we get alone with God and we offer up to him our spirit. And then he says, and he joins with our spirit and there's fellowship and he begins to minister to us. And all of a sudden there's a flow that we've never had before. And people look at you and say, something's changed in you. God's doing an inside job. He says, ask and you will receive. So when you go into that secret place, you begin to pray. And you begin to say, Lord, I need to receive spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication. You promised, Lord, that if I would do that, if I would just come alone with you, that you would begin to give me downloads. And we cultivate that place, that secret place. We guard it. We cultivate it. And as we do that, the Lord's promised that out in the open, see, he says, I will reward you openly. And I don't know about you, but 
I want the reward of coming out into the open and seeing the secret things revealed. The second part is the soul. He says, If you seek, you shall find. He says, Everyone, and then he says in Matthew chapter 6 that you are to go into the secret place, and out of there you shall give. Seek, and you will find. And then he says, To give. These are keys with the soul. The Bible says, freely you have received. Where do you receive? In your spirit. Freely now you are to give. Freely you receive in the secret place. Now freely you are to, re- you are to give. Freely receive, freely give. Freely receive, freely give. Can you see there's a flow happening here? We wait upon the Lord in the secret place. We receive And now we begin to give. It's the key to the secret place of the soul. Love enters via the spirit and it has to have an avenue in the soul to be released. Love always gives. God so loved the world that he... So when I receive from the Lord and, and, and the most important thing I receive in the secret place is the love of God. God is love and he comes in his fullness into my spirit. And because I have received love, I now begin to give love. Philippians 2 tells us, verse 12, that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work within you. So what God works in, spirit to spirit, you have the responsibility to now work out by giving. You need to hear this today, that the key to the soul, the sign of a renewed, healthy soul is it lives to give. Why is this important? Because God showed me a picture that the spirit is like a plane, And the soul is like a runway and the spirit is desiring to land on a renewed soul. But many, I saw a picture of a runway with all holes and craters and the plane's desiring to land, but it can't land on a a runway that's filled with craters and holes. Paul puts it this way, you are to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And there is a holy connection between spirit and soul That is mysterious. And he says, that's the place where the spirit and the soul come together that you need to be transformed. And one of the ways it happens as we receive in our spirit, there has to be an expression in our soul that gives out or else you become stagnant. And the moment you stop giving is the moment that the spirit stops uh, sending messages to your soul. Seek and you will find. So what do you find? What am I going to find? Well, I find... I find what God's saying to my spirit. All of a sudden, the communication, and when we pray, we know often that things are happening spirit to spirit, but we don't understand what it is straight away. So he says, if you seek, you will find. You'll find what the spirit's saying, but there's something more. As you seek the Lord, you will find who to give to. Pray, we worship the Lord, we commune, and our spirits are made alive. That's a secret place of our spirit. But giving is the secret place of our soul where God begins to speak to us and begins to minister through us. That's what brings wholeness to your soul. I've told my kids, we're sitting around the table talking about spirit, soul and body. And I said to them, giving 
Once you learn to give, it will break, it will disempower every entanglement of the soul, mind, will and emotions. That's a big statement. Because I'm not just talking about financial giving, I'm talking about life of giving. It disempowers, see, because the, the, the soul unredeemed is self-centered and inward-looking and that by default stops the spirit because God is love and love must have an expression. Yeah. You dam up love and it ceases to flow. So when I commune with God in the secret place, there will always be a flow over to my soul and seeking an expression to somebody around me. Now, listen to this. The greatest chapter on love is what? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You may have heard that at a wedding. Someone pulls it out. I'm amazed the scriptures people pull out at weddings and funerals. And it's an expression of who God is. You know that it, but it starts off this way. That I could give everything I own to the poor. I could offer up my body the masterpiece that it is, to be burnt at the stake. But if I don't have love, it's useless. So straight away God's saying that 95% or even more of all the good deeds and acts in the world are pointless and useless and birthed out of the flesh and not out of the secret place. He says, love never fails. Why? Because it comes out of the secret place and it's generated by the heart of God. You seek the will of the Lord. He shows you where to give, who to give and how to give. Because many of us, are, either we don't want to give or else we are, our giving is stimulated by the needs around us. Jesus never gave based on need. He gave and he was led by the Spirit. And it's so important that the love that flows through our soul is generated from the heart of God. Didn't they say to Jesus, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal the sick? And Jesus said, I didn't know you. He's saying to us that anything that flows out of our soul that hasn't been birthed in a secret place doesn't get registered in heaven. And the key to our soul that is renewed that is functioning in the fullness of God is that we have sought his face, we have heard from the Lord, and he is directing our giving. And giving becomes such a critical part in the secret place. Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 1, if there's any encouragement in Christ, this is a great chapter, if there's any comfort from love, in other words, you're saying, if there's any benefit from being a new believer, being in Christ, have the same mind. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let everyone look out not just for his interest, but the interest of other people. Have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ, who though he was God in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he took on the form of a servant. And this is part of us being transformed into the fullness of the stature of Christ, that we go from being self-centered to others-centered. 
that we begin to tune into God. And you know, I, I'm hearing some of you say, well, unless I hear God say to give to somebody, I'm not going to give anymore. My friend, if you tune into the heart of God, you will give more than ever before. Because you, if you're only relying on your natural senses and sympathy and compassion to be the stimulus of giving, you will miss most of the opportunities because people will come past you and they won't look like they're in need, but God will see their need. God will see that there's, there's an, a realm that needs to be ministered. So we are compelled by the flow of love. Paul goes on to say in verse 19 of uh, Philippians 2, he says, I'm going to send Timothy to you because I have no one that is like him. Be concerned for your welfare, for everybody seeks their own interests and not Christ. What a statement to make about the church. I've got one man who truly has been in that secret place and caught the love of the Father for his body, for the world. And he's a man, when I send him to you, he's going to have the interests of Christ and not his own self-interest. Imagine a body, imagine a body of believers where we are so in tune with the love of God, where we're encountering, where we are praying, we're asking, we're receiving the life, the wisdom and the love of God into our spirit. And then he's directing us, he's leading us by love and we're ministering to people. We're putting aside our own agendas, our own interests, our own pettiness and we're saying, Lord, who do you want me to minister to? Love flow through me. Could you imagine a place like that, that truly came alive, that said, no longer I, but Christ? Could you imagine that? And, and, but I read Paul's writings and I think, God, why was there only one son in the faith? Why was there only one Timothy that had a concern for the body of Christ that began to minister? He, Paul says when everyone comes to church, let them have a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. He didn't say when everyone comes to church, come expecting a prophecy. He said, no, come ready to minister life and hope. Come tuned into the Spirit. God, who do you want me to minister to? That's called the fullness of the stature of Christ. Everywhere that Jesus went, he was filled with compassion, filled with compassion, looking for someone to minister to. Disciples wanted to take children away. No, 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 I've got so much to give. Father, show me these people. I was expecting these children to come. I want to pour out my love to these children. They kept taking him away. The secret place. The secret place. If you seek, you will find someone. You will always find. God will always show you somebody to minister to. I want to say this week, have you got a secret place to pray? Have you got a secret place where you're going to give? Is giving part of your lifestyle, encouragement, love? Lord Jesus, who do you want me to share a word to? Being sensitive to what's going on around you. Who can I give money to? See, that's part of the wholeness of the soul. You know, you can be sozoed, and those that don't know, that's like a spiritual internal scrubbing where people get prayer. You can have all the prayer ministry in the world, but if your soul refuses to give out, you will never be healed. Never. You're just like a dam that's burst, that stuck up. There's no life flowing because we're designed to freely receive, freely give. You want more? Freely receive, freely give. 
He has much, even more will be given. The more you pour out, the more that comes in. The more you pour out, the more that comes in. It's like a flow. That's the power of the secret place. You ask and then you seek. Those that seek, they'll find someone. And what do you need to find someone? Because the Bible says it's more blessed to give than receive. And God wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to enlarge you. And the only way he can do that is by him giving you something to give out. Matthew 6 says, when you fast. So Matthew 6, it says, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. It deals with the realm of the spirit, the soul, and the body. 1 Corinthians 6.13 says, Food is meant for the stomach. That's profound. And the stomach is meant for food. So I read that and I looked out my window at my garden. I've got a vegetable garden. Kale and all sorts of goodies. And I was thinking, you've got a point there, Paul. And I began to think about all the food that's grown in the world. Tomatoes, fruit, kale. You think about it. There's a lot of food in the world, isn't there? I know this is profound, but there's so much food in the world. And it's all designed to go in your stomach. Without a stomach, there's no purpose for food. I thought about it. If there's no stomachs in the world, what happened to all the food? Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. And God will destroy both, one and the other. So he's saying... This is a temporary picture. It's not going to last forever, but food's for the stomach, stomach's for the food. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is meant for the body. See, food's not meant for itself. It's meant to satisfy the hunger of what? Of your stomach. And after it satisfies the hunger of the stomach, what happens then? I know it goes out one end, but, but what's its supreme purpose? It's to nourish the body. Food for the stomach, stomach for food. But he says here, the body's not meant for its own desires and pleasures out of control, but it's meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. I want to put it to you that our bodies, the supreme design for our body is to satisfy the desires of our Lord and then to sustain his body did you hear that the supreme design for your body is to satisfy the deep desires of the Lord and then to sustain his body but how many people choose their own body over his body and his desires. Some of you are doing them it now, you're falling asleep. I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I don't know. It's a big ask to come out once a week for church, get there on time, sacrifice a lot, my body's tired. I've worked 38 hours this week. And I read about Paul. Shipwrecked, stoned. You know, he had so many things in fasting, chased by robbers. You know, his, his life was just like a bizarre adventure. He had 
He says, I'm always bearing in my body the death of Christ so that life may be manifested in my mortal body. And there's something that I don't understand, but as we bring our body into alignment, in, in, into subjection, it has this amazing ability not only to minister to Christ, but begin to bring breakthrough for his body. You say, well, how, how can you prove that? Isaiah 58 talks about, see, knock and the door will be open. When I fast, it both opens doors from inside out and from outside in. Isaiah 58 says that when I fast, listen to this, the fast will loose the bonds of wickedness, undo heavy burdens, and let the oppressed go free. It will break every yoke. So as I begin to bring my body into subjection and alignment and not allow it to be just fulfilling its own desires and not realizing that the purpose of my body, like food is for the stomach, the purpose of my body is to surrender itself to the Lord. He says, do you not know that you are bought with a price? Honor the Lord with your body. Do you not know that your body is the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost? That the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, Paul's saying, they dwell in you. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. This body is a holy place. It's the very vehicle that allows God to live on earth. And there's something mystical, not just about the spirit and the soul, but about our physical body as we offer it up to the Lord. It's ministry to Him in fasting. The Bible says, that the apostles, they ministered to the Lord and fa with fasting. And as we do that, somehow it satisfies the desires of the Lord because I remember this as a young boy, that whenever I fast, I'm saying, Lord, I'm hungry. I'm really hungry. But I'm more hungry for you. When I feel those hunger pains, I used to tell myself as a young boy, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. But Lord, you know what? These hunger pains, they, they, will, they come and go. If you hang around long enough, they will go. For those who are fasted beyond a day, you know that they actually subside. They're actually not true. They say you're dying, but you're not. But I'm saying I'm hungry for you. And as we do that, we begin to minister to the Lord. We're saying, Lord, we are not people of the flesh anymore. That we are more controlled by our spirit, which yearns to be with you. That we are joined to you in one flesh. So we bring our... And I tell my kids, when we fast, it's not trying to get God to do anything. But we're turning ourselves upside down. Because the flesh is the most dominant force in natural man, followed by the soul and the spirits down here. And when we fast, we turn that upside down. We're saying, flesh, you are no longer the dominating force in my life. I'm a man of the spirit. And as we begin to fast, our spirit comes alive and it's able to worship and connect with God in a greater way. But not only that, not only is food for the stomach and stomach for the food, the our bodies for the Lord and the Lord's for the body. He's saying that not only will you minister to the Lord, not only will food come into the stomach, but it will then begin to nourish all the body. And let me say, when Jesus is satisfied, the body will be nourished. When Jesus is satisfied, when our devotion to him, when his heart is satisfied, the overworking of that is the body begins to find health and healing. Isaiah 58 says, as we fast... It opens up the door and it says here that the oppressed will go free. And there is a connection that when you begin to bring your body into order, that the oppressed neighbor next to you 
finds their deliverance. That when I bring my body into alignment with the Lord and I minister him, I don't know how it all works, but he says, as you fast, there will be a, see, knock. The door will be open, the door of healing. Isaiah 58 says about our healing springing forth quickly. And as we begin to do that and minister to the Lord, it creates an environment for a sickness-free zone, for healings and miracles. When the church finds the fullness Spirit, soul, and body. When we come into alignment, we sang about calibrate me. What does that mean? We give God our spirit, our soul, and our body. We offer them up to God as a living sacrifice. We say, Lord, all of me, all of me. And as we do that, the expression of Christ will find such fullness across the body. Healings, miracles, signs, and wonders. Or else... The sower will sow the seed, seeds of revival, miracles, God's plan and purposes, and the enemy will steal it. And you will say, well, where was God? Guess he didn't have much purpose for this generation. And he'd been raining down seeds of revival, empowerment, blessing, favor. And the body of Christ had never found the secret place. I don't know about you, but that's my desire. I want to find the secret place, spirit, soul, and body. I'm on a discovery. I don't have it all down pat, but I know there's a secret place. It's right through the scripture. Anyone that finds a secret place is empowered by the Lord. And it's not secret so you can't find it. It's hidden so in your search you will find it. God loves to reveal his secrets. He calls you away. So we nurture that spirit, soul, and body. There's a secret place where I can connect you said, Lord, I can pray and I shall receive in the secret place. Spirit to spirit. You said, Lord, I can, when I give, I'm going to find just an overwhelming overflow in my soul. The more I give, the more wholeness I find. The more wholeness, the more wholeness. And I say to you just about your soul, wherever you've got to hang up in your soul, give into that area. Father, first we give you our spirit. And if there's anyone here today that you've never done that, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. You don't know what it's like to have Jesus living inside you. That's the first thing you need to do today. Is say, Lord Jesus, come into my spirit. He will make it alive. There's no purpose. There's no life outside Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, why don't you do that now? Why don't you invite him in? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my spirit. I give you my life. I give you control of my life. Forgive me for living my own way, for all the, the sin that I've, the, the, the rejection that I've placed before you. I, I ask you to come in. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. He will come and he will make you new. So do that today. And if you've already done that, there is so much more to be experienced in the realm of the Spirit. And God is calling you and saying, why don't you ask me? Why don't you ask me to reveal the hidden secrets? Why don't you ask me about what it means to have spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication? 
Everyone who asks shall receive. So we do that, Lord. We say, Lord, teach us how to commune with you spirit to spirit. Teach us, Lord. The disciples said, teach us, Lord, how to pray. We don't know how to do it. And we ask, Lord, would you teach us in that secret place how to deeply connect with you? Lord, we invite you into our soul. As we connect with you, Lord, your love begins to flow into our soul. You heal us. You heal our identity. And as we receive your love, Lord, we just say we will be good at giving your love, being led by the Spirit. We will be those that give this week. Lead us to people to give out, to give, to give, to give, to give. Turn our focus from outside ourselves to a world that needs you. Lead us, Holy Spirit. So we invite you, Lord, to come into the soul, the secret place, and heal it and flow through it. We invite you into our body, Lord. Come and possess our bodies. For those that need healing today, let your healing power right now flow through every cell of their being. If you need a miracle in your body, open up your hearts to the Lord. I pray right now, Lord, do a miracle. I rebuke cancer. I rebuke sickness. I rebuke every design of the devil. And I declare over every person today that your body is the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. We surrender our bodies to you, Lord, as a living sacrifice. Teach us, Lord, how to bring our bodies into alignment. Those that have never fasted before, have never had control over their food, we do that, Lord. We say, Lord, our greatest desire is to express a hunger for you and not ourselves. Thank you for this secret place, Lord. In Jesus' name.